0: It's Wednesday and it's Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis, he's Ron Philipkowski, and this is the show where we uncover far-right propaganda in America and boy, is there a lot to do. Thank you to you if you're just joining us. We are live here on the Midas Touch Network. And uh, there'll be an audio version of this show available later, so you can download it if you want to listen to it again or in the privacy of a darkened room. Uh, Ron, we have a lot to get through today, including uh, multiple Donald Trump stories, including a gag order and his lawyer getting humiliated, his cognitive decline. We've got Ron DeSantis, who's reckons that Democrats don't want anyone to be Christian and... All sorts of things, including Lauren Bobert explaining what really went on during the Beetlejuice show. <laughs> Not on the stage, but, you know, in, in her immediate vicinity. So all that to look forward to. But, um, Ron, tell us about this breaking news that Cassidy Hutchinson, who's the former Trump aide turned crucial January 6 witness, says in a new book that she was groped by Rudy Giuliani, who was like a wolf closing in on its prey on the day of the January six attack on the U.S. Capitol, what's I think, happening here?
1: I think everybody remembers Cassie Hutchinson's compelling testimony, which, by the way, only came about because she fired her Trump lawyer who was trying to get her to lie. Right, uh, and she went forward with her testimony, and it was very compelling. Um, but she did not mention this, and and she has a book coming out next week, and and this is apparently. In the book, something she saved for the book, which I know people are going to have an issue with that. Uh, Republicans are already starting to say, well, why didn't she mention this sooner? As
0: well, this happens all the, the time Congress. in this country, doesn't it? Yeah, it's course. like people will yeah. hold on to the most emotionally, like, compromising information just because there's a a book coming out. And that's not something I've ever understood. So we can't blame Cassidy Hutchinson. I'm sure it's on the advice of her publisher, but this happens all the time, doesn't it?
1: Yes. And and it could also be the case that she just didn't want to talk about this publicly, you know, and she was embarrassed or humiliated or whatever the case may be. We know in, in situations like this, the victims do not always come forward until much later after they've had a chance to process it and deal with it and get counseling. So that may also be the case, might not just be the book. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, look, this is, this is a long, Rudy has a long history here. Uh, you know, he's being sued right now by his personal assistant who has tapes of him, you know, sexually harassing and assaulting her. Um, there have been other women who have made similar kind of complaints. Of course he was famously in the, um, the movie. Um, what was the movie? Uh, the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen uh, Oh yes Borat, the, Borat know, the Borat, Borat, Borat yeah. movie so I mean Rudy has a history of being a pervert and uh, but this this goes beyond that because this most likely happened in the White House or thereabouts and and this happened on January sixth and, and we already heard reports that Judy, Rudy was highly intoxicated from other people and we know that when Rudy gets drunk this is one what Rudy does yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's a. Uh, but you know, it also shows like this is Donald Trump's lawyer, personal lawyer, who's in the White House. He brings this person in and has them around these young women working in there, and it's just part of the whole culture of MAGA and Trump.
0: I mean, you know, I was thinking, what was I listening to? I was thinking, I was listening to Lauren Bobert talking about men. And she was, this is, I know we're going to talk about her later, but this is just as an aside, that is it that Republican men, and this sounds like I'm tarring all Republican men with one brush, and I really am not. But it seemed to me that the experience of a lot of females who come into contact with this, I don't know whether it's just the kind of US machismo, like over testosterone thing where... You know that there seems to be a lot less equality in this country than many other countries when it comes to that the kind of male-female roles, you know, gender roles. And I think it was Lauren but just describing the experience of like being around guys and what guys are going to say and what to expect from guys. This kind of kind of bro culture, which which you know, sure it exists in other countries but in different ways. And I really do feel that <laughs> I speak as a European man, obviously, so it's a slightly different perspective on things. But there really is this kind of disgusting view of women on behalf of some American men, where women can be just treated like, you know, fodder. And it's it's so grim that in this day and age, and, you know, if we're talking about Rudy Giuliani in 2000, and what, well, that was 20, 2021, wasn't it? I mean, it, it's not long ago to go, oh, you know, it was the 70s, it was the 80s, you know, the culture was different back then. We're talking about the modern day. And if you haven't worked out by now that as a man in the modern day, that you have to control yourself, control your urges, be respectful. You cannot t- You can't even hug people with, without being given access. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Fist bumps I mean- is where it's at. Look, I've criticized Joe Biden for that.
1: I mean, Joe Biden is part of that era, you know, of the baby boomer generation where he's very touchy feely, hug, kiss. And, you know, uh, it's it people, people, uh, it bothers people now when they see it. And, uh, you know, so I just yeah, it's the people that are from a different era, I think, don't don't really get it. That times have changed. But but it's also why you mentioned the Republican men. It's part of this. New alpha male, you know, culture. Tucker Carlson and others have been promoting, and it gets promoted on right-wing social media. Yeah. You know that we're this. We need to go back to the traditional 1950s way of living, and you know they they look at a lot of liberal or democratic men who treat women with respect and equality, and they and they call them beta. You know <laughs> that they're weak. That 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 is somehow weakness if you're not a tough alpha male dominating your female partner and so it it there's a talk there is toxic masculinity involved here and it is a cultural thing and uh, we we see this played out time and time again the ken paxton the the christy gnome stuff with Corey lewandowski we could go on and on and of course with donald trump as well
0: because ultimately, it is dangerous. You know, it it is so dangerous. And of course, a big story is broken about Russell Brand, who yep, you know, people may or go. may not know. But you know, he, he has very outwardly, over decades, been a very kind of sexualized character and always yep. boasted about you know his he, kind of conquests. And and it and I was really trying to analyze that and think about you know because of his charisma, it it, it overpowers your thinking about the victims. You know, it's like you you expect sex offenders or sex abusers or to to be, you know, like in in big coats hiding in the shadows, but when they're not, when people are outwardly confident, I mean, Donald Trump is one of these, as E. Jean Carroll will testify. You know, when you are a public figure and you are outwardly charismatic, it it. it it means that people often forget that there are victims and in order for people to live these kind of hedonistic lifestyles there will always be a victim
1: yeah you don't even have to believe eugene curl you could believe donald trump himself in the uh access hollywood tape right i mean he bragged about this yeah. going up to women and, and doing this to them yeah so yeah it's part of part of the culture, and. Um, and it i think democrats are very well served to not be a part of that mentality uh and it's a reason why women tend to tend to vote democrat as well
0: isn't it interesting though how politics which you should never really equate to sexuality or or kind of gender roles that it is in America, yeah, yeah. that politics is attached to these kind of gender stereotypes, yeah. which is I find very surprising. And in fact, to quote Lauren Bow, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, but she said, I'll never date a Democrat again. Right. There you go. Right. It's so interesting to me. Um, anyway, we'll save that conversation for another time because we've got a lot to get through today. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes on on that Rudy Giuliani story as if he hasn't got enough trouble on his plate already. <laughs> um, let's talk about Donald Trump doing this NBC interview. I, I put out a little video on Midas Touch kind of analysing some of what he had to say where he basically admitted the crime yet again of, of stealing these documents and claiming that he's covered by the Presidential Records Act seems to forget that he's not the president anyway that aside um, i'm sure jack smith is is thrilled about that he in that same interview he talked about abortion just tell us about this before we play the clip just tell us about what happened
1: well this is donald trump thinks he's got the solution for republicans on abortion you know and if you notice what he talks about is not changing their position or their policy he he says We have to change the way we talk about it. We message it. So what he's saying is you can still have your position. You can still believe what you want. But this is what you need to say to basically fool the voters. (laughs) Um, And of course, yes, look, Donald Trump doesn't care about outlawing abortion he doesn't care one way or the other about this issue personally he could care less okay so the only thing donald trump cares about is donald trump and this doesn't affect him that much anymore this issue it maybe did at one time when he was probably paying for them but it doesn't really affect him much anymore so he doesn't really care about the issue what he cares about is winning this election so obviously he's for the the exceptions you know the rape incest that that the the exceptions he's for of course life of mother um, and that's caused him some uh, some people on the right to really get upset, uh, including a lot of the evangelicals and pro-lifers that he endorsed. And Trump truly believed that, you know, since he got Roe overturned and he got those three justices in, that the evangelicals would not abandon him if he changed position and did a 180 here to win the selection. And he's finding out that, no, Pro-lifers, they they really do care about this issue passionately. It, for many of them, it's their number one yeah. most important issue.
0: Like the only thing they care about. Yeah. And, and, but it, what's so interesting is he's having to go back and use this old trope that Democrats are for abortion up to full term of pregnancy and even after birth. Birth, right? How he expects a child to be executed after it's been birthed, I have no idea. But, you know, it doesn't even make sense. And yet he keeps pushing this narrative. And I have to say that the interviewer has come up for a lot of flack over this because she did not push back enough. She allowed him to lie and push propaganda. And really, he, you know, NBC should never have had Donald Trump on for an interview, you know, this kind of full-length interview like this. Let me show the clip, and then we'll talk a bit more about it. Okay. With Hillary Clinton, when we had the debate, I made a statement, "Rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month, you're allowed to do that, and you shouldn't be allowed to do that.
2: Again, no one and, and is again, arguing listen, for that. That's look, not a part of anyone's
0: platform, look, Mr. President. The
3: Democrats are able to kill the baby after birth. Let me talk to you.
2: Nobody wants that. That Democrats don't want that So either. we're going to come I together. Wanna, I want to know what you want. I want to know what you're going to do.
0: I mean, it's just painful. But even the language to say, rip the baby out of the womb, I mean, who says that? Like, w- who would ever think to put those words in a sentence
1: what he's saying what he's saying here and what he said repeatedly to republicans is every time you're asked about abortion you should say you should talk about the, the the three exceptions and then you should talk about democrats position and say that this is their position in other words what he's saying is do not talk about if you're for a heartbeat or six week ban or 15 ban he's telling him don't talk about it and yeah. and as you can see he won't talk about those things yeah he refuses to say what his clear position on abortion is he will only say i'm um, for the three exceptions and democrats want to kill babies at at uh, you know nine months the reality is of course those are only life of mother situations where either the baby is going to die or the mother is going to die it is much less than 1% of all abortions it's a it's a microscopic number so when he says that, here's the contradiction in his position when he says he's for the three exceptions well those abortions he's talking about are one of the exceptions life of mother yeah. that's when these abortions are happening yeah. so when he says i'm for a life of mother exception and and we shouldn't we shouldn't have abortions late term that's what life of mother exceptions are
0: He's just a disgusting human being. He really is. And I I really feel that on this topic, it exposes quite how little care he has for other humans, especially women, He just has no interest or respect for women. And it just goes back to what we were saying earlier about this kind of political divide and how Republicans are increasingly seeing women as second class citizens. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is trying to bring about parity, you know, both at home and in the boardroom. Um, so we've got a few kind of Donald Trump stories to talk about. The the other video you posted on uh, Twitter or X or Elon or whatever it's called this week, um, was this one about where we kind of visibly see his cognitive decline and, and something I, you know, they're always criticizing Joe Biden, who always corrects himself. You know, if Joe Biden has, a you know, stutters or gets confused with something, he always corrects himself and gets him, you know, gets back on track. In this clip, Donald Trump doesn't correct his mistakes. He tries to then work them <laughs> like a spaghetti junction yep. into the narrative. It's so weird. Let's watch it and then we'll give it some analysis.
1: The radical left thugs who have weaponized law enforcement to arrest their leading political opponent, leading by a lot, including Obama. Was, I'll tell you what, you take a look at Obama and take a look at some of the things that he's done, this is the same thing. The country is very divided. And we did with Obama. We won an election that everyone said couldn't be won.
0: Including Obama, you see what I... And then he couldn't remember Joe Biden's name, so he said Obama a second time. I mean who is this guy
1: yeah you're you're right i mean what joe would do in in that situation <clears throat> situation sorry i lost my voice there is um is say oh excuse me i meant i've been hillary clinton yeah. you know that's what that's what joe would do yeah but yes this is part of donald trump can never admit a mistake right and can never say that he he messed something up. So he just acts like, oh, no, I meant to say Obama, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he starts weaving and he, and he makes it worse. And then, you know, what's not in that clip is he talked about, you know, how um, he, how um, Joe was going to start World War II. That's right. You know, of course, that was also part of it. So. So, yeah, I mean, for every, um, you know, Joe Biden gaffe clip, we can trot out three or four Trump gaff clips if we want.
0: It's so interesting. Can you imagine Donald Trump going, oh, excuse me, I mean.
1: Never. He's never done that.
0: Never, ever nope. would say, oh, I'm sorry, or, oh, excuse me. Just never. normal, you know, normal linguistics, normal kind of uh, American English language. To him, that's a sign of
1: weakness if you admit that you made a mistake.
0: A sign of weakness to me is not knowing a thing about abortions or about the needs of women's health care. That's a sign of weakness, you know, It's or, or trying to overturn the election because you didn't like the result. That's a sign of weakness. It's, it's so... I am becoming... And you may have noticed because I'm putting out increasingly explicit videos where I'm just like I am done with this guy. I just would, I'm just ready for him to exit stage left and us never hear from him ever again. And unfortunately, that is not going to happen. You know, this has been years now. What from pre-2016 that we've been listening to to this garbage and this propaganda and this rhetoric. I mean, you know, what seven, eight years of of this like constant. Trumpism—it's—it's it's really not good for the psyche. As you can see, Ron, I'm falling apart here. It's worse now than it was in 20. Yeah.
1: Or 2016. It's worse.
0: And it for those of us that, that analyze it and report on it, you know, as our jobs, it's—it's it, it's not great for our mental health. I mean, you know, I—I I, I dream of this guy. You know, I literally am dreaming of it it's 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 an illness you know to have to kind of can you imagine like actually being a, a trump supporter and like living breathing dreaming and sleeping donald trump maybe that's worse
1: yeah i mean i've developed such a, a thick skin over because i've listened to so much trump you know yeah. all of his speeches podcast interviews and stuff that it, it you know i used to i used to do that blood pressure would go up throw things at the tv <laughs> scream and yell yeah it doesn't really affect me anymore just because i've become and, and that's probably you know what he wants is for people to become desensitized to the lies
0: right but you but know? it's important i mean I, I you know i'm not emotionally invested i i kind of save my emotions for my family but i feel like there there is a knock-on effect because it is just relentless and he he I mean, that interview, that full length NBC interview is worth watching. And I actually have recorded a video, which we haven't put out yet, where I take in every single question that is asked and I explain how I would rephrase the question because I recognize that what they used was a very traditional form of broadcasting interview technique, which does not work with a guy like Trump. And when he's lying and saying this crap, you can't go, uh, well, sorry, excuse me, uh, sir, Mr. President, we need to get back on track. You can't do that. You have to use short words and go, no, or that's a lie. That's a lie. That's untrue. You can't get into a kind of interplay with him because he is a steamroller. And, you know, he he used that interview as as like a TV version of a rally. and And he won. You know, that was a puff piece, effectively.
1: Yeah. You don't call him Mr. President over and over again because he forfeited that right when he said Biden is not legitimate and he's the he's the legal winner of the election. I believe that you don't now treat him like a former president and give him that respect because he forfeited that when he tried to over overturn the election. And and by still claiming he's the legitimate winner, if he conceded that he lost. I would say, fine, call him Mr. President, but he, he won't do it. So he forfeits that. So yeah, that's just, that's just one thing. But, but the other thing is, I mean, the fact that he even agreed to that. look at who he agreed to, he agreed to do an interview with her. I'm talking about mainstream. And he agreed with, to do an interview with Caitlin Collins. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody who's two people who are brand new at their new jobs, just got their positions, women, that he felt he could steamroll and intimidate.
0: Dominate, yeah. Again, it goes back to this conversation we've just been having. And maybe I was thinking, you know, in in her defense, I was thinking that maybe he put, call me Mr. President, a prerequisite, like in his rider, if I'm gonna do this interview, you're gonna call me Mr. President. And it's highly likely that that was the case. But the thing is, once she got into it with him, she didn't need to keep saying it because he was then caught into the ego. So he didn't, you know, she didn't need to keep it up. She could have just done it once or twice at the beginning and then not refer to him as anything. You know, it's not necessary to keep saying somebody's name. Let's talk about Alina Haber now. She's uh, one of Trump's many um, very attractive lawyers. He, he, I don't know where he finds these people. They're they're, they're you know gorgeous some of these people absolutely never seen people like this before but she's now she's a rookie lawyer and she's got herself into a a situation just explain what this is and i'll put this image up um uh, what what is this story
1: well this story is about his new rookie lawyer so Alina haba had this case and she was uh, this is the case where of the defamation lawsuit that he that trump filed against hillary yeah. because of Russiagate. He sued Hillary Clinton for um, defamation. That was thrown out, and people famously remember Alina Habba was sanctioned along with Donald Trump by the federal judge, saying that it was a frivolous lawsuit. So what does Trump do? He gets this kid right here, fresh out of law school. Um, he graduated law school in 2021, sworn into the Florida bar In May of 2022, so he's been a lawyer for one year. So he gets this kid to slap his name and refile the same lawsuit citing newly discovered evidence. What was the newly discovered evidence? The release of the Durham report. And, you know, the judge just completely destroyed this brief. He didn't personally go after this kid because I I think the judge gave gave the kid a break, actually didn't sanction him and just ripped him to shreds. Um, But, you know, you think about it, This kid started, this is his first big case. I mean, can you imagine
0: the responsibility? I should say for the purposes of equality that he is very handsome as well. Just want to make sure Uh, that all lawyers (laughs) get get treated with the same brush as are you. Um, What's so interesting, just going back to the interview, was that the things like the Durham report that Trump uses as reference to make his point are all garbage, right? He talked yep. about the Twitter files in the NBC interview. He talked about two thousand mules. That ridiculous documentary that was made by, uh, was it Cash Patel that made that um, made that documentary? No, it was um, it wasn't Patel. Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza. Excuse yeah. me. And. Um, we, you know he's referring to like propaganda videos and the stuffing of the ballots in the bag which he saw on video right which you know has now been totally debunked and yet his argument was but it's on video we saw it now you know it's been explained a gazillion times what that was and yet he because he's so dumb if he sees it on the video, like when he, like, sees something on the news and then it, he becomes an expert on it because he saw it for, like, four seconds, he, like, rewrites the history like he did with the Panama Canal recently, it, it becomes fact to him. I mean, he really is, you know, so... He's like he's like the kind of TV president, isn't he? Like, he, he hasn't read anything. But if he sees, like, a Scooby-Doo movie and there's, like, a, you know, a ghost gets chased, he'll be, like, he's suddenly an expert on the... <laughs> ghosts on ghosts in history because he saw an episode of a, of a cartoon i mean that's how dumb this guy is and that's what we've been dealing with for the last seven years
1: yeah well the, the way most humans function is you know you might read or see something but then you you can have your mind changed you know you can become right. convinced based on reading different reports facts and then what most of us do and we go oh you know i was wrong about that or yeah. yeah i had that wrong i didn't have all the facts yeah yeah now i've become convinced that that's not true that donald trump doesn't have that in his brain at all that switch so once donald trump becomes convinced that something is true you could hit him over the head with a two by four. He will never, ever admit that he was wrong.
0: That, that Even it, after legal yeah. um, cases, you know, she said that to him, would, you know, you've lost over 60 them. cases because he has no respect for the law.
1: And that's that's
0: where these interviewers make the mistake yeah. is when they start citing,
1: well, you lost court case. That means nothing to Donald no. Trump. You can't. You can't use that line of attack you no. know at all and 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 that's why i talked about like the jonathan swan interview and the brett bear interviews they didn't do that no. you know they they did what you said they pinned him down they used yeah. short words they they wouldn't let him wiggle off the hook and and they got him. Many well, it's times.
0: because you have to use entrapment tactics when you're working with a with a, with a malignant narcissist you know you have to give them a shit sandwich effectively and 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 sell them a situation for them to confess in saying that he did confess to a couple of things yeah. so it, and but instead of helpful.
1: her her saying like well nobody thinks that 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 that, that is useless that's a useless thing to say yes. what you say to donald trump is who said that yeah. give me a name yeah. when did they say it yeah. How many of those abortions happened last year? Yeah. You got to pin him. You can't just say, "Oh, nobody thinks that," because then he'll go, "Oh, yes, they do." You know.
0: Now, meanwhile, um, there's been talk of a gag order for the last few weeks regarding Jack Smith and you know these cases because Donald Trump can't keep his mouth shut. And it was just after the gag order was first kind of mooted or, or, or recently mooted and discussed and that and Jack Smith kind of put this motion forward to Tanya Chutkin. Did Donald Trump post the following? Uh, He wrote, Biden prosecutor, deranged Jack Smith, has asked the court to limit 45th president and leading Republican nominee by more than 50 points and beating Dems Donald J. Trump's public statements. So I'm campaigning for president against an incompetent person who has weaponized the DOJ and FBI to go after his political opponent, and I am not allowed to comment, they leak, and sue, and they won't allow me to speak, how else would I explain that Jack Smith is deranged or Crooked Joe is incompetent? I mean, the irony that that, that Smith, you know, goes to seek a gag order and Donald Trump's response is to abuse him on social media.
1: Yeah, literally hours later. I mean, what I tweeted was his lawyers were probably in their office huddled typing their response to jack smith's motion and then you know some young staffer in their firm says hold on yep. <laughs> look at look at what donald trump just posted and they're all just went oh shit you know yeah. we gotta we gotta change this so it, this is gonna be really interesting and judge chutkin has not um issued her order yet i assume she will and i assume this will be a limited gag order and the devil's gonna be in the details here like what I I really want to see like the wording of it, how it's going to be enforced, what what the enforcement mechanism is, because the question is, if you violate the gag order, it, is she going to consider that a violation of his pretrial release, where he could have that revoked and be put in jail, or is is she going to handle it with a fine? Like how how what sanction is going to be put in there, and then how how is it, how narrow is it going to be tailored? is it go- it's most likely going to say what jack smith asked for is you can't disparage the prosecutors the witnesses the jury pool which means dc yeah or um or or him or you know his staff and you know i i the, the other question is once that gets issued what is going to be trump's reaction what is going to be maga reaction i think it's going to be a very big deal when that order comes out
0: there was an article in the la times today Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it was basically saying that it would be more dangerous for these people who are trying to push the 14th Amendment to get Trump off the ballot because he's been involved in insurrection. They were saying, you know, you are much better off allowing democracy to play out, have him on the ballot and have him lose to get through this period in political history rather than remove him from the ballot under those terms and then forever after, he's going to play the victim and say, I was silenced and compare it to Russia and all this type of stuff. What's your view on that? Because I, I, think, I kind yeah, of agree. I, I think his argument becomes a lot more
1: persuasive to the to people if that happens. Yeah. I, I understand stand the legal argument and the case for doing it. But at the same time, like, I think if you do it without a criminal conviction, I think if you do it after he's convicted, let's say he goes to trial in March in DC, he loses in April, then it's done. Um, I think that, um, you could make a much more of a plausible argument, but if you have, you know, some third party group or pack or something that finances a, a, an effort to do that and it happens, um, then I, I think that that's just, it's bad. I agree with you. I, I think it's just going to cause way too many problems. I, I'm confident in the in the in our democracy. I'm also confident in our legal system and, and I just want it to work. I don't I don't want it to be done that way. Of course, the the one exception I would say is like if a Republican does it, I know like the Republican secretary of state in New Hampshire talked about it. Well, that might be a little bit of a different situation because you could just say, hey, this is a Republican doing it, not us.
0: I mean, the other issue is that if Trump was to be on the ballot and was to lose by a significant margin or any margin, he's going to claim it was fraud. He, was, or, he is going to do it again. And the whole process of, you know, the, it's elections rigged and all this stuff is we're just going to go through that whole process yet again. And so that's going to happen, whether he's on the ballot or not on the ballot, right? The, the argument is effectively the same that they're trying to silence me.
1: Yeah, there's no scenario by which Trump would ever admit that he lost any election. Yeah, Th- that will never ever happen. Yeah,
0: we we really do need to kind of. This is why you know it, it makes no sense to me that mental health and you know the, the the narcissism aspect of this is never mentioned in the mainstream media in any depth. You know, it's like a throwaway comment, but you know, you really, if you take an interest in in the kind of, the kind of mental pathology or the psychology of this, it, you know, you really do kind of get to know who Donald Trump is pretty easily. You know, he is textbook narcissist and, and, you know, so much is written about this. I'm sure people are in relationships with narcissists. They understand what you're dealing with here. And yet weirdly, because he's a presidential candidate and former president it's almost like oh well that can't apply because you know if you if you're a president you're superhuman i mean i think obama actually was superhuman but that's just my view
1: yeah and they have to be treated differently and treated with kid gloves and shown respect and deference and all of that yeah Yeah, we have to start treating this this guy like that way
0: Yeah. yeah interesting okay let's talk about matt gates and um well the kind of situation that's going on with kevin mccarthy because you know he really is like losing control of congress and there's so much on him at the moment obviously there's the kind of the 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 debt which is going to become an issue i guess when are we going to start hearing about that in full like next week when that's going to, you know, government shutdowns, and then there's leverage, and then there's going to be blackmail, and there's, and then now there's this issue with, uh, before I play the clip, just explain what it is that Matt Gates is talking about here, because this is kind of specific to Byron Donalds, isn't it?
1: This is incredibly interesting. I mean, some of this is kind of like inside baseball stuff, where, oh. you know, people who are, who are real political junkies would be into this, and people who are casual observers maybe not, but I think that probably most people, if they're watching the show, fall into the junkie category. So, so they w- hopefully will find this interesting. But it's painfully interesting to me. So Byron Donalds is uh, was called upon to negotiate the continuing resolution to keep the government open a compromise on behalf of the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus, of course, is the the far right group of about 24, 25 people um, who, by the way, kicked out Marjorie Taylor Green because yeah. she's so sub- – The reason why they kicked her out of the caucus, one big reason, is because she supported Kevin McCarthy for speaker. So so Byron Donalds is in this group. So he was tasked with negotiating a continuing resolution compromise with the Main Street Caucus. The Main Street Caucus is all the moderate business, traditional establishment, Wall Street type Republicans in Congress. So the news comes out on Friday on Sunday night around four o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time that they've reached a deal. And, of course, what we, what do we find out? Then the Freedom Caucus men, members, led by Gates, Corey Mills, several others, went ballistic. Ralph Norman went ballistic and said, well, wait a minute. You know, we don't agree with this deal. So the crazy part, the first crazy part is I, what popped into my head is, wait a minute. Byron Donald's negotiated this deal. Did he check with his own people? Like, do they, did he even make sure that they were on board with this? He's just negotiating on their behalf, and then none of them want this. So you have that dynamic. But but the other dynamic is, if you remember when they didn't want McCarthy as speaker, they nominated Byron Donalds to challenge McCarthy for speaker. So here you have all these Freedom Caucus menus on, uh, members on Sunday night and mo- all day Monday absolutely trashing Byron Donalds, who they just – six months before you know put up for speaker against mccarthy so it's just it's so terribly interesting to me how this has played out the other part of this is is the short news broke this week that gates intends to run for governor of florida in 2026 and many people have said that byron donalds also wants to run for governor of florida so so you have that dynamic working here also
0: it's very interesting and and you know, Matt Gates. as much as I despise him with every pore of my body, he, you know, is a is quite a good public speaker. And he does kind of, he can be kind of engaging and he has good use of, of the kind of political language. And I just thought I'd point that out as you watch this clip of him basically taking control of Congress. Here it is.
4: Or three, I oppose the CR authored by my friend and colleague from Florida, byron donald's the donald cr continues the ukraine policy negotiated by speaker pelosi and mitch mcconnell in the omnibus that conservatives were against the donald cr is a permission slip for jack smith to continue his election interference as they are trying to gag the president the former president of the united states and the leading contender for the republican nomination and the donald cr abandons the principle That it is only a review of single subject spending bills that will save this country and allow us to tweeze through these programs and force these agencies to stand up and defend their budget my friends we are approaching the days where we're facing two trillion dollar annual deficits atop a 33 trillion dollar debt this is unsustainable and just to continue things with some facial eight percent cut over 30 days that will lead to no programmatic reform is an insult to the principles we fought for in January. I yield back.
0: Let's not forget how much debt Donald Trump added to the uh, national debt during his presidency. They always seem to leave that bit out, don't they?
1: Of course. Well, when you're a member of a political party, how it works is when you're uh, in a legislative body is that you fight for your constituents, you fight for your individual things that you care about as hard as you can. But there comes a point in time when you have to compromise and you have to toe the line a little bit and say, "Okay, I didn't get what I wanted this time, but I'm going to work the system and I'm going to get it next time and I'm going to work hard next time. What you don't do is blow up the whole the whole party. (laughs) And, you know, and so the Democrats are incredibly unified. I mean, there there are things that Democrats don't agree on, don't agree with the leadership on. But, you know, when Pelosi calls the vote, they vote and and they realize, okay, maybe I didn't get everything I wanted. I'll get it next year. But the Republican Party right now has about 25 people who do not agree with that mentality. They're not team players. They're not loyal to the Republican Party. They're not loyal to each other. They each have their own agenda. And in this negotiation, some of them, what they want is they want to defund Jack Smith. They want, and they're not going to vote for this unless Jack Smith is defunded. They want to defund Ukraine. They want more money for the border wall. They, you know, they each have their own little individual thing. And what they're saying is, if I don't get my one thing, I'm taking my ball and going home. And that's just not the way party politics works. But that's the way this dysfunctional Republican Party works. And they're also saying that if they don't get what they want, they're going to get rid of Kevin McCarthy as speaker. So McCarthy is in this weird position right now where he could easily make a deal with Democrats and get this done easily, and he wouldn't need all these people. Um, But if he does that, he's toast. He'll he'll never keep his job. But if he doesn't do that, the government shuts down, and he's got to deal with all these nutcases. So I don't know how he's going to get himself out of this mess.
0: I I would just say... And, you know, every time we come round to a government shutdown, I, you know, I'm going to stick with this theory that none of it is necessary, right? It it is all political theatre. It's a kind of performative sequence that happens where, oh, we have to shut down the government because we haven't agreed on on the budget. It's like there is nobody else to do this. It doesn't need even to be done. You could just keep funding the government as every other government gets funded. There's absolutely no reason to have this kind of performative sequence every now and then. Unfortunately, the people that pay the price, invariably, are, are federal workers who don't get paid whilst the government is shut down and have to kind of carry the the cost of that. They get, re- they get their money back, uh, you know, several weeks later, but often people are living paycheck to paycheck. So they can't afford to go for two or three weeks without any money. And then a shutdown happened during Trump's presidency, as we know. But none of it is necessary. Because, you know, when you're talking about debt of trillions and trillions of dollars, to kind of fund the next period of government, it's essential, right? You can't live without government it's 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 part of the fabric of the United States. It's the institution to which we all operate under. And yet yeah. there has to be this very theatrical show of left and right and push and pull. And, you know, the, the people suffer as a result of it. It's just a waste of time.
1: You know, Merrick Garland brought it up today in his testimony in front of the Judiciary Committee. Yeah. He said that, you know, because if the government does shut down, basically what happens is every government agency under the law can only continue to to keep people working who are considered essential, you know, essential workers. Right. So he, what he was saying is if this happens, that he's got to that he, there m- might be criminal investigations and prosecutions that get put on hold that that don't continue forward uh, while the government shut down. So so it affects it affects not only you know, postal workers or whatever, it affects actual like criminal justice as well.
0: But could it affect the Donald Trump case, the, the Jack Smith, Tanya Chutkin case in DC? Because maybe it's a good question, is, just a theory here, but maybe Trump knows this yeah. and is pushing for a government shutdown so as to delay or indeed stop his case from continuing.
1: My guess is that the people on Jack Smith's team would volunteer to work for free. Yeah.
0: It's my guess. <laughs> I would work for free on that as well. Yeah. Um, OK, it's very it's very interesting, you know, and I, I don't uh, you know, I, I don't want to encourage a government shutdown, but it's just so sad that politicians use, you know, f- civil servants as bait in these instances. Uh, talking of which let's talk about Ken Paxton now the Texas Attorney General. This yeah. is an interesting story, isn't it? Just tell us about this before I show the video.
1: Yeah, this is there's so many layers to this because, I mean the, the, this is the, the thing that has to be emphasized here is this is republican on republican violence. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this they, they, is they, they democrats have nothing to do with this. Yeah. 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 Everyone involved in this is a republican. The witnesses, the lawyers, the legislators, Paxton, you name it. Um so what this is is you know the attorney general of Texas is Ken Paxton is the worst attorney general in America. He's just a a corrupt SOB. He does constantly illegal things but he's also very popular with texas republican voters i mean they vote him in by big margins he had a primary challenger in uh, louis gohmert this last time and he beat louis by a lot and louis used all of this stuff in the campaign yeah. um so what paxton did i'll just give you the, the short part of it because i watched lots of the hearings was he basically had a guy who was doing him favors, giving him money, uh, providing, uh, hiring his mistress, because Paxton was having an affair with a woman in San Antonio. He wanted her closer. So this guy gave her a job, you know, in Austin, in the Capitol, so he could be close to his mistress. By the way, Paxton's wife is a state senator (laughs) in the Texas legislature who was on his jury. uh, And this guy... This guy wanted this guy was under federal investigation. Nate Paul is his name. And and what he wanted Paxton to do was hire an outside lawyer, a special attorney to come in and run interference for him with the feds. And uh, I keep losing my voice here. And that's um, and that's what Paxton did. And his deputies all threatened to resign. They went to the FBI over it. They thought that what he was doing was illegal and unethical, um, but he did it anyway, and um, and so that that led to this impeachment.
0: Okay. Well, he goes on Steve Bannon's podcast and kind of talks about this. Let's let's take a look.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think it it's um, certainly critical to my state, and that's why we fought off these twelve lawsuits. We had him in Houston, we had him in San Antonio, we had him in in Austin, we had him in the counties where you'd have the most liberal judges, and it was a concerted effort nationally with lots of money going into it. And just knowing that we had 12 losses that we had to win. And if we had lost one of them, like if we lost Harris County, Trump won by 620,000 votes in Texas. Harris County mail-in ballots that they wanted to send out were 2.5 million. Those were all illegal and we were able to stop every one of them. Had we not done that, we would have been in the very same situation. We would have been on election night. I, I was watching election night and I knew when I saw what was happening in these other states, that that would have been Texas. We would have been in the same boat. We would have been one of those battleground states that there were counting votes in Harris County for three days, and Donald Trump would have lost the election. Well, that clip is shows this. That's a little bit older clip, but that shows why Ken Paxton was so important to for Donald Trump to keep in his job, right. because what he said there is Donald Trump would have lost Texas if he hadn't sued sixteen counties in twenty twenty to prevent mail-in balloting. So Paxton is bragging that he got a couple of million mail-in ballots thrown out, which helped Donald Trump win the election. And that's why Donald Trump and his allies fought so hard to, to win this impeachment. And after the impeachment, Trump posted on Truth Social that he made calls to the jurors, to the Texas senators, and he was responsible for Paxton winning.
0: Do you know, I was just thinking about um, this argument about Donald Trump and election fraud and the fact that that journalist in the NBC interview, but it's certainly in all other analysis that's done, nobody really focuses on the fact that with all, if Trump had claimed that everything was fraud that he said was fraud, it's still not enough to change the outcome of the election. And this is something that is really important, right? It's like, yeah, okay, fine. You think dead people voted? Fine. It's still not enough to change the outcome. There was a 7 million vote difference. You know, you're talking about a few thousand here or there or six people in that county. It's like, you know, focusing on that and presenting that argument to Donald Trump and his surrogates, that it's not enough to change the outcome, to me is a very compelling argument. And yet it's an argument that is very rarely used.
1: Well, no, because they brush it off because, you know, they have many other, many other theories about yeah. other votes that, you know, have been stolen from them. But no, Ken Paxton is a is a key part of the uh, of the chess game. And and the other thing that, by the way, that the MAGA Republicans have argued is that by them winning this trial, that basically ends the Bush era in texas that this was right. maga versus bush and that and that this this acquittal signifies that the old era of the, the bush family dominance over texas politics is officially dead now
0: it's the end of the dynasty I, i'm yeah. thrilled to see the republicans turning on each other it's like lord of the flies isn't it you know they, they're getting to that point now where they've run out of food
1: oh and, a, and the speaker of the house by the way of yeah. the texas house absolutely blasted the impeachment uh, ruling, uh, and he's, you know, a Republican.
0: So. Yeah. Um, while that clip was playing, I was looking up the what the national debt was when Donald Trump became president. It was $19.9 trillion. When Donald Trump left office, the national debt was $27.7 trillion, which means that Donald Trump's presidency added $7.8 trillion. Trillion dollars. To the national debt. I mean, look, I you mean, don't want you- <laughs> a re- reality TV show host being in charge uh, uh, of the government.
1: All you have to do is look at D- Trump's fifty-plus year record in business. Yeah. Trump doesn't doesn't worry about debt. No. You know, Trump will leverage himself to the hilt. So, the idea that he was going to care about debt when it's somebody else's money, <laughs> it, you know, he he could care less.
0: Ron DeSantis, as we know his kind of um, presidential campaign is kind of you know hit the skids in in many ways. you posted a clip which I thought was very interesting of him claiming the Democrats uh, wanting to kind of um, end uh, Christianity or prevent people from from practicing Christianity. What is it with this whole kind of you know political rhetoric of just making stuff up about the Democrats? There doesn't seem to be much pushback over it, does there?
1: I mean, this is typical of every issue, whether it's gas stoves or abortion. It's it's the the hyperbole. It's it's taking a simple a simple position of the Democrats and and stretching it out to absurd degrees. And of course, the Democrats' position is the Lemon decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, which is basically separation of church and state. That there shouldn't be. The government shouldn't finance displays of religion and religious activity should not take place in in the public square and on public property and all of that. And it's a very simple position. It's been the law of the land for 100 years. And uh, since the Supreme Court decided that case, it's not all that controversial. But but Republicans have an issue with this because they want they say we are a Christian country. They want prayer in school. They want they want religion, they want Christianity to be in the public setting, in, involved in education, all of that stuff. They want tax dollars to go to religious schools, which is a new push now. So this is part of that, which is what he's saying is because Democrats want separation of church and state, they, that means that they don't want us practicing our religion. No, M- meanwhile, there's plenty of Christian pro- Democrats. opposing it. Yeah. yeah. it's that it's that they won't want you imposing it on us. Okay. It's it's not that we want to prevent you from doing what you want to do.
0: And and it's that concept of freedom which really kind of underpins the the idea of a kind of progressive thinking across the the country and the wider world. And yet the you know it's that's why it's ironic that we were talking about the freedom caucus earlier, you know, kind of the least free group, the group who are so extreme are actually anything but celebrating freedom. Here's, uh, here's Ron DeSantis.
4: Sense of, they would say, you know, you practice your faith, but if there's a conflict between leftist agenda and your faith, they want you to have to bend the knee. And if that is able to win the day, we're no longer in an era that our founders envisioned and that Washington articulated of God-given religious freedom. We're back in the pre pre-America view of religious toleration, where elites decide the contours of how you can practice your faith. And this is our time to get this right as Americans, because if we don't get it right now, uh, we're going to end up losing this battle for all time. And that will squander one of the greatest legacies that we've inherited from our founding fathers in every generation through the
0: years. I don't know that toleration is a word oh and the other thing he's lying he's just lying about all of it so
1: here's a politician campaigning during a church service on a sunday morning (laughs) you know complaining about that democrats aren't letting them practice their religion you know i mean it's just it's it's absolutely absurd there are I can't think of anything the Democrats have done to the the only thing that they argue about is covid you know when when some churches weren't allowed to have their services or whatever in certain places so that that's always their reference point of an example when democrats suppressed their ability to practice their their faith. And that's always what they go back to is yeah. a public health emergency. Meanwhile,
0: most of those church services went on to Zoom instead and were able to continue without people gathering. So, you know, it's yeah. not stopping anybody from practicing their religion at all. But what's so frustrating is that he always uses the founding fathers as kind of leverage. And you know, the founding fathers were very clear about the separation of church and state. So he's rewriting history. And when he says at the end, you know, if we don't deal with this now, we're going to be stuck with this. He's effectively threatening and saying that, you know, this you know there is a chance to do something about this now, i.e., to bring religion into the forefront. And if we don't do it now, we'll never get the opportunity to do it again.
1: Yeah, and I'm, and I, I honestly am very afraid that this Supreme Court will overturn the old separation of church and state yeah, and 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 say that there is that the Establishment Clause does not mean. That you can't use taxpayer dollars for religious things. I mean, the test case is already happening. It's in Oklahoma. Oklahoma uh, this year for the first time gave uh, money to a Catholic charter school, a uh, private school, tax money, and uh, with the with the education commissioner saying he knows that it's unconstitutional under current law, but he wants to use what he did. To go up to the Supreme Court and hopefully overturn that. And there's a very good chance, given the makeup of the court now, that that could happen. So so just like we saw a seismic shift on abortion when Roe was overturned, I'm warning people the same thing could happen with our concept of the separation of church and state.
0: And I think a lot of the issues that we are in the kind of public discourse right now, including many of Trump's crimes, that could end up in the Supreme Court will be overturned or similar because the whole point of the Republicans packing the court with not just Republicans or Christians, but extreme views. And, I, you know, and, and I, I, we shouldn't underestimate that they haven't really yet had the opportunity to unleash their full extremist power, but they will. and And especially the three that Donald Trump put in. And, I mean, isn't it shocking and terrifying to know that to get three Supreme Court judges during your four-year tenure is, is very unusual. But the fact that he chose young, extreme, far-right characters dressed up, you know, some of them give the impression that they're wholesome, Neil Gorsuch, I guess, is an example of that. Brett Kavanaugh, not so much. And Amy Coney Barrett, as we know, is in a Christian cult. So, you know, this is this is what we're dealing with. I, I personally believe that the court is treading water at the moment. But once these crimes get sent up, or these cases, I mean, get sent up to the Supreme Court on the insistence of, of Republicans, they're going to just get thrown out. And, and this is you know this is something that is going to be a um, a big problem for the US going forward.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, separation of church and state is an issue, guns is an issue because yeah. you know past US Supreme Court decisions have always said that reasonable gun restrictions are allowed and and you know second amendment's not absolute. I could see that changing as well. Yeah. Um so
0: yeah, I I'm very concerned about this court. Yeah. You you don't create a court in your image. And not use it. Do you see what I mean? It's like it is for them. It's their failsafe. And I think that Trump, in the back of his mind, you know, in those interviews and if he's on the stand, is thinking, well, I need to get this to the Supreme Court.
1: Um, you mean his cases? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, any, but it, a- anything. Yeah, but it's it's gonna take too long. I don't I don't think that anything to deal with his criminal cases would ever reach the Supreme Court in time. Right to help him. You know, it, it, if, the, if that happens and it very well could happen, some of these things, especially executive privilege stuff, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't reach the court until 2025,
0: 2026. Which is also part of his plan, the delay tactic, you know, that's yeah. what, you know, he's going to keep pushing for appeal after appeal. And I realized this the other day is that, you know, he, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, he will direct his lawyers to do it the Trump way. Not the traditional legal way, not the way that the lawyers would advise based on precedent. It's Trump's way or the highway.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, he's he's going to defer to his criminal lead counsel more than he has some of the other lawyers in the past. I think he I think he understands that he needs to listen to that person a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he'll disregard all guardrails and everything else.
0: Tell us about Christy Noem, because uh, it was revealed last week that she'd been having an affair with Corey Lewandowski. Uh, She went on TV and and denied this. Why would she why would she do that? Just tell us before we show the video.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, Corey Lewandowski was bounced by Trump. He he was running Trump's PAC. Trump save America after Trump left the White House. Corey's job was to run Trump's PAC. And that's what he was doing for a long time. But Trump got rid of him and and for Trump to fire one of his close pals is very unusual. Well, the unusual reason why he got rid of him was because he was just known as harassing and 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 intimidating young women around in the Trump orbit. And you know, Trump, Trump's Trump has a has a proprietary view of this. It's like, these are my women. You know, you don't you don't mess with with my people. Yeah, I, I want to harass them. You can't harass Either them. That's for my me job. to harass. Yeah. exactly right. So that's why Lewandowski got fired by Trump is because if Lewandowski had harassed women elsewhere, Trump wouldn't have cared. But he, he played in Trump's pond. So he gets fired and then and then alligate. then Lewandowski went to go work for uh, Christie Gnome's reelection campaign. And that's when the rumors started swirling. This was two years ago about him and Christy Nome had something going. So, yes, the interview you're talking about was a year ago at that time when Christy came out and absolutely categorically denied it. Well, now we know uh, that that they were they have been carrying on a long affair for a couple of years now and it's all come out. So she just looks, you know, and she's another one of these, tradi- you know, family values people. She's always putting her husband out and her kids and yeah. portray this image that we now
0: know is not It's, true. The, it's the hypocrisy, isn't it? You know, yeah. and we'll discuss yeah. that more when we talk about Lauren Boba in a couple of minutes. Here's the clip.
2: Absurd rumor about you allegedly having an affair with a Trump staffer years ago, a couple came out within the past year or two. And it was just out of nowhere, but that was from the right. And Absolutely. it was incredible because you're sitting governor. You, you've mm-hmm. had a long marriage. You married Brian in like right 30 after thirty years ago. So. Yeah, oh. thirty years ago, and you're I think you're oh. my age. You're a year younger than I am. I'm fifty one. You're fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've been together with the same guy all this time. You had three wonderful children. Like out of the blue, and this is of course they do do this. I'm sorry to get on my female yeah. soapbox, but they oh, whenever there's a powerful woman, you can mm-hmm. take it to the bank. There's going to be an attack on her, and they say you're either it's either nuts or sluts. You're crazy yeah. or you're a <laughs> slut, and they oh. weren't able to say you were crazy so they decided to go the other route.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think they they say the crazy too. You know, they had the entire fight over girls sports that they came after me on as well. Oh yeah. Um that's right. and now they've just been a constant attack of foia requests in our state creating scandals out of nothing that don't even exist. So, listen, this is war and they will they've gone after my children. They attacked my the first year and a half that I was a governor, they went after my daughter. Um, And then when they couldn't destroy her, they went after my older daughter and caused her to lose her entire business over something that was completely false accusations, but Mm. started enough controversy that it affected her business and she had to completely change careers. So of course they would try to destroy me, then my children, and now they've gone after my husband and myself. And it's, it's, it's difficult. I'd say it's probably hardest on the family when someone's serving Mm. in this job, but I think it also makes you stronger. It's Something that, uh, you know, we we try to get through it and not – I we honestly don't even read the press that much anymore. I have my staff tell me what I need to know, but stay off the social media comments and a lot of those articles because just so much of it I don't even recognize as reality.
2: Well, you're grounded. I mean,
0: that's – Yeah, she should be grounded.
1: So I'll address her lie about her daughter there real quick too. So her – what she's talking about there about her daughter is her daughter – tried to become a real estate appraiser and took the real estate appraiser's exam two or three times, failed every time. And she brought in the commissioner in charge of the real estate licensing and for about two hours grilled her. And, and basically was arguing that the test is too hard and she needed to make the test easier that she felt it, it wasn't fair for her daughter. So that is what happened with her daughter's situation and she can deny it all she wants, but her daughter uh, gave up her real estate appraiser license that she ultimately got uh, and, and, and left that business because they got caught.
0: So, a lot of this goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, the difference in my eyes between Republicans and Democrats, that, forget the kind of politics of it, you know, the policies, is is that Democrats have a kind of live-and-let-live live attitude, right? You want to do that, fine, you do that, yep. just don't force me to do that. Yep. And, and really, Democrats are not the type, uh, and this is a real generalization, but, you know, just to kind of characterize the differences, and, and Republicans are very much not that they're like you know this is what I do, and this is what you should do, and this is yep. what everyone should do exactly. and that is a very important difference that I think that you know the media should be focusing on more the, the 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 hypocrisy this kind of performative aspect of oh you know i am i have i'm a perfect person, I would never break the law you're lying about other people you're lying about what Democrats are claiming stuff that just simply isn't true and this goes back to trump claiming that democrats want to rip a baby from a womb at nine months it's just utter garbage and there's very little pushback on this and i've always found that really strange you know that the democrats could make more of this live and let live attitude and make that part of the the branding of the um you know of of the party you know going forward this but this is the problem that democrats are so nuanced in their thinking you know that you won't find two democrats the same republicans have much narrower in terms of those things
1: make one more point on this because last week's show we talked about gnome being a contender for trump's running mate vp yeah this breaks right after we did that show right and i can tell you that christy nome is toast she will not be trump's running mate not because she got caught having an affair yeah. but because she got caught having an affair with Corey Lewandowski, right.
0: who Trump does not like anymore. It's so it's so incestuous, isn't it? It's So interesting. So with this one more candidate you think is now going to be the the VP pick, who, who did you say Elyse, it was?
1: Elise Stefanik, Elyse the congressman Stefanik. from New York. That's right. Okay. I, I feel really good about that pick even more now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's because you've only got one pick left. I, well, that's it. <laughs> okay, we have penultimate story is Charlie Kirk. Uh, he went on a was he sent to North Arizona University by by the Republicans to try and I don't know kind of get amongst the the youth and encourage the to convince people to vote Republican? I mean, what's what's the story behind this? Because he got mobbed basically. We could do a whole
1: show on Charlie Kirk's operation. <laughs> it, it's actually pretty interesting. So I'll, I'll I'll shorten it and just say, you know, the the. There's was always these young Republican clubs and I was involved in them too in college, you know, that always existed. Um, and, and there are of course a minority on college campuses who students tend to be more liberal. So, yeah. you know, Charlie Kirk, a dozen years or so came up with the idea that he was going to form this organization called turning point USA. And he was, he never went to college himself. He was bankrolled by a very wealthy older guy who, thought that charlie was going to be the pied piper for the republican party that republican parties have always done poorly with young voters and charlie was going to change that and he was going to start these turning point usa chapters which is basically like a young republican club thing all over the united states and college campuses hold these big meetings and he was going to be the one that was going to deliver the youth vote for the republican party and the republican party has poured millions and millions of dollars into charlie kirk for his efforts. And what has happened is it's only gotten worse for them. Like 17% of Gen Z is registered Republican right now. 17%. <laughs> so it's not working because Charlie is a repulsive person. Yeah, he is. And, disgusting and so creature, yeah. this was his trip to Northern Arizona when, you know, he was greeted by the students there who just who just ripped him to shreds. And you know the other funny thing about this is that Charlie thinks that this is funny and he's he's talking about it today. Look, all these crazy liberal women at Northern Arizona were yelling at me. Well, you know what? You know, you're disparaging them, you're making it even worse. You're you're if I was Ron McDaniel, I would go, how is this guy, how is what he's
0: doing helping us with these voters? We should say that with Turning Point USA, he has made millions very well right he is very wealthy off the back of this political Correct. movement so you know, and i'll say this too many many republicans
1: understand that charlie kirk is killing them is yeah. hurting them yeah but he's become so entrenched with the leadership of the party that they can't get rid of him
0: okay here he is being mobbed by uh an audience that were, were not particularly warm towards his arrival They, they, they didn't like him much. Listen, we have to finish in a couple of minutes, so let's uh, finish with uh, Lauren Bobert. She's been very entertaining for the last week or so, especially last time we talked about her going to the Beetlejuice show. She got thrown out for vaping and for blowing the smoke, and there was a pregnant woman sitting behind her. Now it turns out that there might have been a little fondling going on with her and her date, some 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 you know some inappropriate touching in a public place. Um, and I think she realized that this could be a crime, potentially, and then had to really backtrack to the extent that she's now said that she's never going to see this guy again, and all future dates are off.
1: Yeah, so... I have a, a reliable source who knows the guy and I, and, and I absolutely trust this person. And what I was told was that, yes, they dated for, for months, that she, he thought she was very, very fun. It was mostly a sexual relationship. There really wasn't as much dating as there, it was more about sex than dating. Um, and uh, that he, when this went down, he was the one, basically. The next day, when this broke, who broke it off with her? Oh, uh, so because he did not want to, uh, he couldn't take the heat. He did not want to be a public figure. He did right. not want to be in the media. And I guess he's—I don't know. I guess he figured he could date Lauren Bobert for a few months, and maybe the media wouldn't notice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a very naive guy. Like yeah. I'll contrast that with Brian Glenn, who I did uh, Marjorie marjorie taylor green's boyfriend who i did talk to about this incident i talked to i talked to him about it and uh and and basically what i said is you know you knew the deal the, he knew when he started dating green that the day was going to come when the shit was going to hit the fan and he was and he was prepared for that but obviously this guy thought uh, he was going to you know date lauren bobert for a while and nobody would know i i don't know but uh yeah he he pulled he pulled back on it. So that, so now she's kind of telling this story that, you know, he was a Democrat and and that's why she ended it kind of thing. But there was also a fake headline that was done by the Daily Beast that said uh, that that was their first date and that caused a lot of right. th- she never said that that was just a that was just a badly written headline that caused problems.
0: So that bit about him being a civilian and wanting to have a private life and not be in the limelight. That's true. Right. She does say that in this clip. She does mention it, but she kind of swallows that section. So clearly that's the only bit she's telling the truth about. Anyway, that's the only part that's true. Correct.
3: Um, It's always hard whenever um, there's gravity put on the voters, I'm here to provide levity. and lift burdens off of people, so anytime that they're carrying mine, it's something that you know, kind of feel deep inside, but ultimately all future date nights have been cancelled, and um, I learned to check party affiliations uh, before you go on a date, uh, but all in all, um, you know, it was, uh, it was mostly a lovely time, and you know, I've taken responsibility for my actions. I'd uh, love to know how the, the musical ended and I encourage people to go and see it. But, um, yeah, it, it was a great time back in the district seeing voters and... Uh, so
4: just how, just how are the to... voters taking it? How are the voters taking it right now? Are they understanding at this moment?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of folks who are certainly understanding, um, and they understand that it was a part of my my personal life, my private time, something that I rarely indulge in. And, uh, yeah.
4: And when, when you say affiliation, as far as no, and not to date the opposite side. Well,
3: is- TMZ. I'm pretty sure you told the world I went on a date with a Democrat.
4: <laughs> so, 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 when, when it comes like that, when those times when you, when it. No,
3: he, he was. He's a wonderful man, and it was. Um, it was. It was a great time to uh, to go out and have dinner, enjoy part of a show, and uh, yeah. Now it's back to work. We're here in D.C. Okay. And
4: focusing nope. on so, is that is that date life? Is that over with him? Because of some papers say because he he had a drag bar or his his yeah bar, no nothing, dad, nothing to do
3: with anything anybody reported but okay. honestly he's a private citizen and um, that. you know we we peacefully parted at this time uh, great man great friend and I wish him all the best
0: okay so what she wishes him all the best um, it's time for us to go. Which is a shame because I really enjoy these chats, as you full well know, and and I like the fact that you and I make a point of not talking to each other for a whole week until this, <laughs> so, so that we've got a lot to say to each other. Text messages don't count. Right. Um, Ron Philipkowski, thank you. Uh, you. You can follow Ron on Twitter and uh, or X. Uh, it is at Ron Philipkowski. There's just the one. Uh, I'm on Twitter, the Anthony Davis. You can find me on Threads and elsewhere as well. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday at the same time. You can join uh the podcast just download it It'll drop this evening if you want to hear the audio version or you can rewind straight away and watch the show again thanks a lot ron great to see you you too anthony see you next Take week care. okay bye for now